coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. When Karen and I were failing in our marriage, I was 19 when I got married. No one had ever taught me about marriage. We were failing in our marriage and God was so compassionate with us. And I'm just, I'm saying that to say, if you're struggling, if you're failing, if you're fearful, if you're broken in this area, or you've come out of a broken family, God feels compassion, not anger. He's not angry. This is called the most important issue in marriage. And this is something that we need to know if we don't know anything else about the subject of marriage. And this is John chapter four. Let me give you a little background on the story. Uh, This is a Samaritan woman who's been married five times. This lady is an outcast. No one will have anything to do with her. It's very unusual for women to go to the well by themselves. They went in groups for safety reasons, but no one would go with her. And so she was, she was a broken person. She was a loser in that society. So she's at the well by herself and Jesus shows up and she said, what are you, what are you having anything to do with me? Why are you having anything to do with me? I'm, I'm a Samaritan woman. And Jesus said, give me a drink. And so he's talking about this well. And he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who you're talking to, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you that drink and you would never be thirsty again. This, this Samaritan woman, the, the story shows the compassion of Jesus to people who fail. I've already talked about that. God is compassionate because he knows that there's a devil against us who wants us to, to be defeated. He's also compassionate because he, doesn't, he knows we don't know what we're doing in the area of marriage. When Jesus hung on the cross, he forgave the people who put him there, but he, but he said, why? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And most, most of us have never been taught about the issue of marriage, our, our failures. This woman is an example. God knew that she wasn't trying to fail. No one in marriage is trying to fail. Anyone who's been divorced, anyone who's struggling in marriage, no one is standing at the altar getting married saying, I sure hope I fail. Everyone getting married, they want to succeed, but most of us just don't have the skills. We don't have the knowledge of how to succeed in marriage. And so Jesus comes to this woman, he feels compassion for her because it's his nature to be compassionate because he knows she doesn't know. When Karen and I were failing in our marriage, I was 19 when I got married. No one had ever taught me about marriage. We were failing in our marriage and God was so compassionate with us. And I'm just, I'm saying that to say, if you're struggling, if you're failing, if you're fearful, if you're broken, in this area, or you've come out of a broken family, God feels compassion, not anger. He's not angry at you. He doesn't want to reject you any more than he wanted to reject her. He wants to give you the answer, though, for how to succeed. He doesn't want to leave you in that condition. Billy Graham says God loves us the way, just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us like that. And that's exactly right. God loves you just the way you are, but he wants to fix you. He wants to help you. And so he's compassionate. God Marriage was created by God, and this is another thing that this story illustrates, and it's only successful when it honors his plan and includes his presence. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't Adam and Eve, it was Adam and Eve and God. We need God. God created marriage, and when Jesus walks up to this woman to fix her, he is saying to her, lady, you have a spiritual problem. 
you have a void on the inside. And if you keep trying to get men to solve your issues, you're drinking from the wrong well. Men cannot fix you. People cannot fix you. If you keep drinking from that well, you're just going to be soul thirsty for the rest of your life and frustrated and defeated. But if you knew who was standing in front of you, I would give you a spiritual drink of living water and it would quench your thirst forever. And many of us have experienced that. But as a young man in marriage, I didn't know how to relate to Jesus like I should. And so I depended too much on Karen. She depended too much on me. We had a dysfunctional marriage. The third thing that's illustrated in this story is the most important issue in marriage is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the most important issue. If you don't know anything else about marriage, that's what you need to know about marriage is your marriage and your life will be more profoundly affected by your relationship with Jesus than any other. Let me tell you why. Whether, whether we realize it or not, when we wake up every morning, we have four basic needs that drive us through life. Every person, every day, is driven in life by four basic needs. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. That's what's motivating you. That's what's motivating me. Every person is the same. Acceptance means I want to be accepted for who I am. Now, I want you to listen to me. Romans 8 asks this question. What can separate us from the love of God? And here's the answer given in Romans, nothing. God loves you like no one else loves you. On your worst day, God is your best friend. And when every other person leaves, Hebrews 13, five, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that means he will never physically leave us, nor will he ever turn his heart away on our worst day when we've done the grossest thing for the, for the millionth time. God isn't like people. His acceptance is different. It doesn't matter if our teeth are straight. It doesn't matter if our teeth are white. It doesn't matter if our deodorant's working properly. It doesn't matter if we're dressed the way we ought to dress. It doesn't matter if we talk with the wrong accent. It doesn't matter any of that. He loves us, period. And he's the only person who does. Most people, most people who love us, love us based on what they don't know. We want people to like us. We put our best face forward. But if they knew every single thing we had ever done in the secret thoughts of our mind, I promise it would shorten our list of friends. I promise it would. Because a lot of people love us based on what they think we are, but if they really knew us for who we were, they wouldn't love us anymore. Can I tell you something? He knows every thought in your mind, everything you've ever done, and everything you will do, and he loves you teetotally. Acceptance. He on the worst day of my life, when I said Jesus, he said, yes, child. He, doesn't, he never packs up and leaves. He never packs up and leaves. Acceptance. People are undependable. And they may love you today, but they don't tomorrow. Or they may be happy right now and they give you a dirty look 10, 10 minutes from now that hurts your feelings. But God is absolutely stable and his love fills our heart like no one else. His perfect love casts out our fear. It's what the Bible says. What's the fear? It's the fear of rejection. It's our number one fear. Every person's number one need is love and number one fear is rejection. But his perfect love casts out fear because he's absolutely reliable as a lover of our soul. And he's the only one who is. Identity is a number, another need that I have. Who am I? Man, I want to be unique. I want to be special. Well, he may be in my mother's womb. You don't have to go through life being like everybody else. You don't have to go through life wondering why you were created. God will tell you. He'll whisper it into your heart. He'll reveal to you who he created you to be. And you can know that 
rather than living your life to be someone in people's eyes. And it's a horrible thing. Security. Am I safe and secure from harm? Are my needs going to be met? Am I going to be protected? Well, I'll just tell you this, and we all see this today. There's danger in every area. The weather, the events, wars, the instability of nations, our own economy, our own instability as people. You just see the danger on every side. Predators, people that are doing evil things to people. Am I secure? I am secure in God, period. I am secure in God. If I am in the eye of the storm, I am secure in God. But if I'm in a hammock in Hawaii, sipping a drink with an umbrella in it, I'm not secure without God. I'm secure in God. He makes me secure, and I'm only secure in him. Number four, purpose. Do I have a purpose for life? Most people just live their lives either to get money or to go through another 24 hours of making a buck and spending it or just whatever they're living for, but they're going to lose it. Let me say this, and that's what I did. I wake up every day for this purpose, to serve the king of kings, to to take as many people as I can to heaven with me and to give people eternal answers to their trouble. And let me tell you something, that's the way to live your life. I'm not here to make money. I'm not here just to suck up oxygen as long as I can. I am here for a kingdom purpose, and it makes me feel special. And it gives me the motivation every day to roll out of bed and do it again. But when you don't have God's purpose for your life and you get the uh, belly punched and you get knocked on your back by life circumstance, many of us have been in a circumstance in our life that says, should I go on? Is it worth it? What's it for? And this is a broken down woman, been married five times and now she's living with a guy she's so disenchanted with marriage. And she's been belly punched a lot and Jesus walks up to her and says, lady, listen, There's nothing wrong with you that can't be fixed, but it's not going to be fixed until you let me meet your needs and you don't try to get them out of a man. The principle of transference is this. If we don't trust Jesus to meet our deepest needs, we will automatically transfer those expectations to those closest around us. If we don't have a relationship with Jesus, and all of us have had times in our lives when either we didn't know Jesus or we didn't have a a close relationship with him. So let me say this, any time in your life when you're not in relationship with Jesus, you are a dysfunctional relationship waiting for a place to happen. Remember, acceptance, identity, security, and purpose are our four basic needs. Either God's gonna meet those needs or you're gonna try to get a person to meet those needs. The Samaritan woman tried to get a husband to meet those needs and she squeezed the first husband And it didn't come out because he couldn't do that. Only God can do that. And so she rejected him. Here's what happens, by the way, with the transference of our needs. Number one, we'll never be fulfilled. People can't, people can't meet our needs. You can't, we have a God-shaped void in our lives and people can't fill that void. Money can't fill that void. Success can't fill that void. Pleasure can't fill that void. Only God can fill that void. That's why Jesus said, lady, you're drinking from the wrong well, but if you drink from me, you'd be fulfilled finally. When Jesus comes into that void. The second thing is we become discouraged and cynical. The divorce, the marriage rate in America in 1930 was 83%. 83% of adult Americans were married in 1930. Now the marriage rate is 49.7%, which means most people, most adult Americans are not married. And it's because of the cynicism. Because we've rejected God and because we've rejected God's way and marriage doesn't work now, we either don't get married or we shack up or we do something else. And that's exactly what this woman had done. 
When, when you transfer your needs to another person or to someone other than God, it's just going to happen. The third thing, and I think this is probably the, one of the worst things, is we become bitter toward people and we reject them. She tried to squeeze the first husband for what only God can give. He couldn't, and she rejected him, so there's something wrong with him. The second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, and finally she said, oh, you can't trust men, and so she just lived with him. You need a man around, but you can't trust him, so I'm just going to have him around. Now, I'm going to say something, and I, but when I say this, I'm not accusing you. I just want to say something so you'll register this thought in your mind. Okay. Now, Jesus, the, by the way, her husbands were probably you know, knuckleheads. I'm, saying, I'm, not, I'm not putting all the blame on her because men have their own issues, obviously. So Jesus isn't putting all the blame on this woman. He's just telling her the, what's wrong with her. Okay. So let me, let me make this statement to you. And I want you, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. And this week, if you would, I want you to meditate on this. Okay. She thought five men had let her down. And, and again, they were probably knuckleheads at times, you know, and they did things wrong, but she was wrong. The truth was she expected something of a man he couldn't give. And when he didn't, she rejected him. Now, I've made this mistake, so I'm not pointing the fingers. I'm, I've made this mistake multiple times. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because there have been times in your life when you did not know Jesus or you weren't walking with Jesus, there have been times that you transferred the expectations of your life to people and you set them up for failure because they couldn't be Jesus to you. Your parents an ex-spouse, a close friend, a business partner, a pastor, a church, a government leader, a government program, whatever it might have been. You were not walking with Jesus. You were not trusting him. And so you took acceptance, identity, security, and purpose, and you transferred that to an individual, and they let you down. And it may have ended the relationship. Maybe it just ended in a frustration in the relationship, and, and you kind of accused that person but you were wrong. I'm not saying that that other person wasn't wrong also. You were wrong. And, and my encouragement to you is to do an inventory, is just to sit down in the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? Because I know I have some broken relationships in my life. Are any of those broken relationships because I tried to make that person Jesus to me? And gently and graciously, God will help you to, to deal with that. And the purpose isn't condemnation to drag you into your past. The purpose is just simply to say, maybe they weren't as bad as I thought they were. And maybe I was a part of the problem. I've done it. I did it to Karen. I was very disappointed in Karen when we got married because I was trying to make her into Jesus for me. She's a great Karen. She's a lousy Jesus. I'm a good Jimmy, I'm a lousy Jesus. There's only one good Jesus, and his name is Jesus. Here's my question to you. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. When you have a problem, where do you go first? A friend? The web? A credit card? A store? Internally, worry, fear, where do you go first? 
Doesn't matter if you love Jesus. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus. Do you trust him? Do you trust him with your finances? Do you trust him with your children? Do you trust him with your relationships? Do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him for miracles? Do you trust him to come through and change things? When Karen and I wake up every morning, and we did this wrong, and we almost divorced. So we're not better than anybody. We're not special. But what we learned is the most important issue in our marriage is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing. So when I wake up in the morning and when Karen wakes up in the morning, we both have different places in the house where we go and we have our quiet time, which means we read our Bible. I journal, I read my Bible and I pray. And it's not a religious experience. I don't pray just to pray. I don't read my Bible just to read my Bible. I need God. I need him to encourage me. I need him to heal me. I've got fears. I've got problems. I've got needs. I've got anxieties every single day, every day. It doesn't matter how long I've known Jesus. Every day I've got issues that only God can solve. I don't go to a person first thing in the morning. I don't go to the web first thing in the morning. I don't buy something early in the morning to make me feel better. I go to Jesus and it changes every relationship in my life. Every relationship in my life. I'm going to be relating to people all day long and there's several I want to kill. I want to strangle them today. Could I have permission? It happened in the Bible. Could I do it? And God says, no. So I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit and you won't want to kill them. You'll love them. Okay. When I wake up and I have been with God, I'm a different husband than if I haven't. Sometimes Karen will say to me when I'm not having one of my better days, did you pray this morning? And most of the time I didn't, but I won't admit it because I don't want her to know she's right. Because <laughs> she's right too much. We need Jesus. I know you believe in him and I know you love him. I know you do. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. But do you trust him? You know, this is the first session that I ever did when I taught a marriage seminar. It's amazing. Mar- yeah, it is. Marriage on the Rock is the first seminar that I did 25, 30 years ago. And it's the first chapter of all the books that I've written that I ever wrote in a book mm-hmm. was the most important issue in marriage. And Karen, when we got married, we, we depended on each other too mm-hmm. much. And by that, what I mean is we, we expected each other to meet the deepest needs that only God could meet. To talk about talk about what that was like. Well, when you say the deepest needs, it'd be the security, the acceptance, mm-hmm. the identity. You know those things that are core within us that God puts a hole there, and only He can fill That's it. That's right. It's a need that we have, but we don't know that. And so when we first got married, you know, we knew we were void of something. But you you assume that when you get married, you're your best friends. You love each other. That though, that you're going to be able to, you know, connect in a way that's going to, you know, make me feel better about those, those issues, like my identity. Right. You know, my insecurities were horrible. Yeah. You know, and I depended on you so much to make me feel good about myself. And I know I wore you out because you're well, constantly let, let me say to this. say this. I've never met a person with lower self-esteem than you had when we got married. Well, and I know it wore you out, but you were always so patient. I mean, you were always so good about enforcing and reinforcing. But it still didn't satisfy that thing in That's me. Right. It, it didn't matter how many times you said it. That's right. Only God could change that in me. Only God. 
And I'm here as a testimony. That is the truth that, you know, your husband or your wife, they can't meet those needs. It's impossible because then we wouldn't need God. And, you know, God's the one that put us all together. And he's the one that formed us the way that we should be, you know, connecting with God first so he can finish those things in us. And then we can give the best of ourselves to our spouse. Well, we got to a very dark place in Mm -hmm. our marriage and we were fighting a lot. And part of the reason we're fighting is because we were uh, depending on each other and angry at each other because we couldn't meet those needs, and you turned to God. Yeah. It, really, the, the, the act, the number one thing that changed our marriage was when Karen stopped fighting with me and you turned to God. Exactly. And, you know, it, again, like we say all the time, you know, none of us are, are born perfect. We all have a sin nature. And, you know, we all have issues in our life that God is going to constantly be patient and kind to us so that we can keep changing. And I think that, you know, as your couple, as as a couple, as you're going through stuff, be patient and kind with each other. It's amazing how much kindness will go the extra mile when you're dealing with, you know, issues, uh, whether your spouse is a mess or you're a mess, you know, and just give them a chance that, you know, give God a chance. When you wake up in the morning, this is what we do, and we Mm -hmm. both pray and have our time with the Lord, and you take your hurts and your fears and your deepest needs to Him, He'll satisfy you. He told the woman of the well, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink, you'd never be thirsty again. And when you're depending on people, she'd been through five husbands, Mm -hmm. and now she's living with a guy. And Jesus loved her, you know, And but Jesus said to her, lady, your problem is not a man problem. Your problem is a God problem. And if you would just ask me to meet these inner needs, I would, and you would never thirst again. And we're saying this to many of you watching right now. You may have been hurt in marriage. You may have been disillusioned. You may be going through a frustrating time right now. God loves you, Mm -hmm. and he's with you. And the number one most important issue in your marriage is your personal, daily, dependent relationship with Jesus Christ. If you haven't done it before, invite him into your life. He will come and he will meet your most important needs. Thank you for joining us today. And we want to say thank you to all of our partners that we only are able to come to you because of our partners who support this ministry. Thank you so much, Rock Solid Partners, for the blessing that you are to us in helping us take this ministry across America and around the world. But if also, if you're not a partner, would you please consider becoming a partner with us here? At Marriage Today, you get some special resources and blessings that nobody else gets We want you to become a partner. Help us to help marriages succeed, keep little children together with their parents. Here's how you can do it.